We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is brought to you by Aspers Casino Newcastle, home of the Mag's £4 pint, available in all draft beers for all NUFC home and televised games, 12pm to 12am. Over 18s only, visit BeGamblerWare.org. Be drink aware for details and T's and C's, visit AspersNewcastle.co.uk. It's your True Faith Newcastle United podcast and Newcastle managed a draw against Luton Town at home uh, Saturday afternoon in what was a pretty exhausting game. Here to analyse it, I'm Charlotte. I'm joined by Sai, Adam and Norman. Before we get into it, a reminder, we are on Patreon. It is between three and eight pounds a month for loads of extra content, uh, loads of analysis. We'll be doing even more analysis of this game uh, on there. So do come over and join us. It is a wonderful platform full of wonderful content. So please do consider it. But let's talk about this game, this absolutely insane game. Uh, um, Simon, where do we even start? There's a lot to talk about. I think I think we have to get straight into it, don't we, with the sort of... I think the big questions are the midfield and the Dan Byrne question, right? Mm. So so let's uh, let's talk about it. We were supposed to be fixed, right? We were supposed to be fixed. I don't want to talk about it. Right. I'm not ready. <laughs> Great podcast. No, yeah. The, the end. The, the <laughs> first question, what, what just happened? Like, yeah, I that's don't it. Know. That's I, it. I've, it's taken 24 hours for me to try and get my head around what's happened. I've watched the match of the day highlights this morning. I still don't really understand how that game of football, a, a thrilling 4-0 played out because it was... It was a crap 4-4. Me and me normal were talking before we started. It's a rubbish 4-4 for so many reasons. You're right, there's so much to get into. So yeah, let's get started. I thought what was weird about it is that we started off so comfortably, you know, with the home team. We got the goal, albeit, you know, it was, it was a bit cagey at that point, but we got the first goal, probably deservedly. Great finish from Longstaff, by the way. We'll talk a lot about Longstaff. <laughs> I'd like to. Um, and then out of nowhere, we just sort of lost impetus and, and kept making stupid stupid mistakes that's one of the worst defensive performances i think i've ever seen from newcastle there's lots of reasons for it and i'm i'm loath to dig out too many players but we're going to talk about some individuals obviously as this yeah. podcast goes on and dan burns the, the main talking point such as being the fallout from the game and the way it kind of transpired um 
you know, just making silly mistakes. Even the first goal, that's not a damn burn problem. Actually, Botman gives away a really s- stupid free kick. We defend the set piece horribly and they score. And it's like, we've let them back in the game. Okay. And we reacted, reacted really well, scored immediately again. Longstaff again. Yes, um, well then. And then their, their second goal was even more embarrassing. Like It's probably the worst, worst defended goal I think I've ever seen from start to finish their second goal. And so, can, we, can we put Longstaff at fault for that? For the slightly, yeah. slightly. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reel off who's at fault for that goal. So Murphy is the first player to Barkley, just misses him, doesn't, doesn't make any kind of attempt to tackle him. Longstaff then just runs straight past Barkley, doesn't manage to tackle him, just runs across his path. Does a little bit to get in his way, I suppose, like woo, and then just just out the way, out the game. Then Bartley proceeds to run forward in a straight line, thirty yards. No one else comes to him. Like they can see, Longstaff's missed the tackle. Why does Botman share or or even Trippier not come towards the player? No one does. Then eventually, Botman panics and goes, "Shit, I better go." At the same time, Kieran Trippier comes away from his man, so they all come at the same time. So then the lad on the left is is left free comes back across to Bartley, who they've all moved to the lad with the ball and left Bartley free again. It's just the whole thing was an absolute shambles. It's one of the worst goals I think I've ever seen us concede. And that kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. And yeah, there's some there's some nice things about it. Barnes came back and scored. We came back from 4-2 down. That is good in the Premier League. That's a hard thing to do against anybody. You know, let's not disrespect Luton. They're a good side and they played really well. And they I think that's four wins and six for them now. You know, that's a really good return for a side that's been battling relegation all season. They, they didn't win. They didn't win. Sorry, yes. Well, sorry. Yeah. the three wins and five. It's another funny though, point, no, but it's interesting it, it feels like that a defeat. Right, yeah, exactly. It feels like, a defeat. It feels like um, a defeat. So yeah, my head's all over the place with this one, clearly. And I'm not quite ready, but, but here we are. I don't know. We're going we're gonna to use this as some kind of like to try and make sense of it, try and have some catharsis here. Um, Adam, what do you reckon? It, it, we, were, we, were, this was, we were supposed to be fine. We, we're, it's one game a week now. We're, we're not as tired. What on earth happened? The thing is, after a hard-fought draw at Villa Park on Tuesday, the the exact fixture that you want is a 3pm home kickoff against a relegation um, threatened side. We, we beat Villa. <clears throat> yeah, I know. After, uh, the s- draw, I guess you mean. S- sorry, no. A hard-fought win at yeah. Villa Park. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> um, already getting confused because of the confusion <laughs> yeah. of... It feels yes, like we just lost two games. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't actually lost this week, but we've lost two games in our minds. What we wanted was a home um, fixture against aside looking at relegation and that's what we got and we got the perfect start as well because if we were worried that Luton were going to sit in a low block and we're going to find it really really difficult to break them down what's the perfect we score an early goal perfect conditions are perfect Mm. everyone's in a good mood it's good weather um and we've got an early goal yes um they react and get get one back through their set piece prowess which we know is always going to be a threat because they're a team full of massive lads Um, Absolutely huge, and that physicality became a problem for us as the throughout the game. I thought, but you're right. We reacted really well again and got ahead two minutes later, and that should have been it. That should have been kick on. But we were creating so many chances, but we were not clinical at all. Now, Luton managed more shots on target yesterday with eight, and we had six in the end, and we had 19 shots altogether. That's a really poor return. It's a really poor ratio, and I'm I'm sorry, you can't keep conceding so many goals at home to the likes of, you know, bottom half clubs like Nottingham Forest and Luton, seven in two games in those two specific fixtures and expect European football. You can't. We need that defensive rigidity. It was missing yesterday. We weren't tracking midfielders. In fact, a lot of the goals yesterday for both sides came from not tracking midfielders, a couple of long staffs, obviously. But the second goal we conceded, was appalling i thought yeah. I, w- I was really really irritated by how we def- how we defended that second goal and 
the, the third one was just absolute chaos. Uh, sorry, the fourth one was absolute chaos. It was, it was you know, once again, leaving a man free on, 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 the, on, the, on the wide area. We'd pushed forward because we were maybe overcompensating for not finishing a lot of these chances. And we took more risks because of it. And it left more space for them to exploit. And they just seemed so comfortable on the ball. They seemed so happy to have the ball. And I think the fact that they had much higher um, possession uh, percentage meant that that was probably one of the reasons that we did find it we, we were a lot more tired than we otherwise would have been because we're used to having a lot more of the ball at St James's Park and we didn't yesterday and it affected us and Luton just weren't phased at all and they just seemed to grow in confidence when we were trying to rattle them and get in their faces and they they, they just played around us and we found it so so difficult. You've all covered a lot of what I would have said so first and foremost I'll um talk about Luton Town very quickly because Rob Edwards and the job that he's done at that club with those players that he's got and the big serious lack of money is spectacular right they came to St James's Park yesterday and I think overall they were the better team and just kudos right everything we're going to say about Newcastle today it's a Newcastle United podcast fair enough but Luton Town were superb and Edwards is is clearly someone who knows what he's doing um we couldn't cope with them like the midfield is, is especially frightening because they completely bullied with it. And I look at that Lukonga yesterday who they got on loan from Arsenal. That's the kind of player that we're really lacking at the minute. I think we have someone like him in the midfield. You know, Calvin Phillips, we're linked with him, right? He plays in midfield, we'll probably win. A midfield yesterday featuring Sandro Tonali and or, or both, Joe Willock, probably wins that game. Another huge mitigating circumstance. And I hate looking for excuses, but I have to. It's the only way I can make sense of this. Again, with seeing how important Nick Pope is to this Newcastle United team. This isn't me saying it was Dubrovka's fault we lost yesterday, by the way, but what Pope gives us is, is utterly irreplaceable. And we've seen it for, what, the best part of three months now? Pope in goal for that game. Again, I don't think we come out of that conceding four goals. And necessarily, I keep saying, I keep referring to losing, but we actually drew, didn't we? We've got to remember we drew. Um, <laughs> all right, there's some excuses for you. But ultimately, I, the, the, the lack of quality in the game, I think, is emphasised by the report on the BBC uh, website. I don't know if anyone saw it. Longstaff gets two goals, right? He gets a rating of 4.69, which is incredible, right? I mean, you know, you get two goals in a Premier League match from midfield. You're looking, normally you'd be getting a seven or eight, but that's how poor the performance was overall. The goal that you mentioned, side, the way that you described it there, you know what I started thinking? If you see like a, an adaptation of a West End musical on like on film, <laughs> and there's like people just flying in the front of each other and someone's singing in the middle. Bartley's, Bartley's running down the middle, singing a big number, and the yeah. players are just flying past them like dancers. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Um, spectacularly bad. Uh, it's, it's really difficult to, to look at yesterday's game and dig the positives out, and we'll get into it. The only, the only positives for me were a two-goal deficit in the Premier League, regardless of the opposition, come back from it, is a good thing. Uh, and also, obviously, Harvey Barnes coming back was was fantastic to see. But but overall, um, I very difficult to walk away from that, thinking we'll, we've, we've still got an opportunity to finish top five. We haven't, in my opinion. We, we Finishing six would be one heck of an achievement based on really what we've seen for most of the season, but especially on on yesterday's performance, combined with Nottingham Forest at home as well, as Adam mentioned, conceding seven goals in two games against teams such as Luton and Nottingham Forest. Again, not denigrating them, mm. but that is really difficult to to kind of think, oh, okay, we'll definitely finish in the top six. We've got a great chance when you are conceding that amount of goals to, to teams such as Forest and Luton. I think, yeah, the midfield question is interesting because I did see the the player ratings for Longstaff and I was kind of like, yeah, it's probably about right because he scored two goals but didn't do a lot else. And it, it, it's one of Ben's main gripes with, with Longstaff uh, is that he just, just can't tackle anyone and neither can Miley really. In fact, yeah. Lewis Miley made one tackle yesterday 
and Harvey Barnes got the ball and we scored. It's like, you can do it, just tackle the, just tackle the guns. Oh, um, wow. And then Bruno can't commit a tackle because he's on nine yellows and we just literally can't afford for him to be banned for two games. So we've got three midfielders who have to just try and shepherd players around and move players around without... I mean, no, Longstaff and Miley, there's no excuse. They've, they've, they've known about this problem for weeks. They should be being taught every week. Just commit tackles, just do something. And I know that... What what a long stuff might say is well if I dive in and get taken on I'm going to look silly you know you know if if you if you're not confident making a tackle the best thing you can do is shepherd a player and make sure your goal side and make it hard for them but we didn't even make it hard for Luton players to come through our midfield yesterday and that's that's a frustrating thing just just put one on him when Barkley's run ran past you four times wipe him out kick him kick his ankles like just make it at least make him at least not want to come past you um as easily as he did. Um, so that midfield continues to be a problem in that it, it just can't tackle, it can't dis we never ever turn over possession in midfield unless it's a nice interception. Whereas, you know, um other teams just nick the ball off us all the time and, and then come through. So it's, that's the probably the biggest problem that it's nice that long stuff scoring goals now. I'll, I'll not the first finish in particular was brilliant. Second one he didn't seem to know as much about it. He just kind of you know, it, it dropped to him and he, and he scored. Very fortunate, I suppose, but took it well, took it well. Um, but yeah, that that is our biggest problem. I know we're going to talk about the left back situation as well. And there was a problem there, and we did solve it with some substitutions. But uh, I think that midfield is going to continue to get overrun because of the 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 two similar. That's three players who are, are you know useful on the ball, have a decent touch, and can and pick a pass. And Longstaff's got the legs and the energy, and he can cover loads of ground and do lots of that work. But ultimately, the, none of them can break up the play. And none of them have got like the Willick kind of flair to, mm-hmm. to kind of open up teams. So they're just three, two similar midfielders and they're the only midfielder he's got and that's going to continue to be a problem. Like you say, Norman, until we get Willick back. I and obviously I, f- I forgot to mention, I mean, Joe Linton, hugely important. Yeah. Things yeah. like that, right? Yeah. Against the physicality of that Luton midfield. But one one we, we can't rescue it is um, somebody bring John Joe back from his Turkish holiday because he would have <laughs> taken Barkley straight out of the yeah. game, wouldn't he? But yeah. you know what? On a more serious note, we seem to have lost that ability. And I've noticed that this season, especially the last few months, that when Howe first came in, and I would say for about two thirds of last season, we were becoming masters of the dark arts. The shithousery was absolutely spectacular. And it seems to have disappeared. I don't know if anyone's noticed it. And maybe that is because the midfield is a little bit lightweight, but it's just not there anymore. You know, like, I'm going to take yellow card because this is the, the most sensible thing to do. Luton were actually brilliant at it yesterday. They, their time wasting was absolutely oh spectacular. God, yeah. and, that, and, that, and that little bit of nastiness was great. And, and that the reality is, top-level football, that, that is its really important component of the game. And we just seem to have kind of dropped off in that sense recently. We're, we're starting to get back to being a little bit too nice. And I want to say we get nasty again. Yeah, agreed. And I think you see that with Lewis Miley and the, the lack of tackling and things like that. There's a, there's a bit of a deference. There's a bit of re- too much respect given to the opponents when you kind of just want to see like nasty bastards getting in there. Um, we've talked a little bit about the midfield there and and you know it's it's the same story, isn't it? We've seen we saw it with Man City. Okay, it's, it's Kevin De Bruyne, and, and you can sort of say, oh, it's Kevin De Bruyne. But then you saw it with Gibbs, who's rubbish for Forest, and like not you know. Again, I don't want to be nasty about it, but like these are teams. To Adam's point earlier, that that we should not be conceding. We should not be allowing like so much space through the midfield. But it's also um, exactly what we should be learning from. We've seen this like in two games recently, and we're seeing it again and, and nothing is changing and I know that there is a personnel issue at one point in the first half Bruno was he'd gone down and he was clutching his sort of it's clutching his abdomen a bit and and I was like if he comes off I I don't know what we do like I don't know who come Joe White Joe White from the bench maybe comes on and in the midfield I, I otherwise I or, or somebody moves I don't know what our options are there so so there is that element to it as well but 
we, we, I also want to talk in this first bit about Dan Byrne and about that um, left-hand side because it, I think that speaks to the in-game management a lot. Um, it, it, people were crying out on social media in my WhatsApp groups for Dan Byrne to be subbed off. Um, he, he was being... He was being smoked every single time by their seven. Forgive me, I can't remember his name. Ogbeni. Ogbeni, who I think is on loan from Man City. No, have I got that wrong? He's a free transfer from Rotherham United. Really? This preseason. I mean, he, he started off uh, like in Ireland. He's an Irish international. Uh, he no, was in Brentford for a bit, had a bit of a lower league career. Uh, and he's really sort of come to the fore this season. I think he's actually quite a sensational player. So, he's, yeah, he's, he is. Someone texted me and was like, he's he's on loan from our city. And I was like, oh, that makes sense because he's absolutely brilliant. He was absolutely excellent yesterday. He's, he's much, much faster. Than so Dan fast. So I think fast. he's one of the fastest players in the league, actually. Yeah. I think he genuinely yeah. is one of those. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, sorry to butt in, but like, so against Dan Byrne, you already know Dan Byrne has a pace issue, right? He, he, there are games built for Dan Byrne. That was not one of them. That was not the opponent for Dan Byrne. And, and you know, we, we saw this, this tweet from George Colkin that, that, that um, Dan was at this uh, Alan Shearer event last night and Alan Shearer sort of went, oh, Dan was missing from 3 p.m. today and he sort of took it like in stride. And, and that's a nice thing, you know, he's able to, to have the piss ripped out of him. But is it a nice thing? Is that a good thing? We don't really... Is that good? It's a funny one, that the George Colkin tweet, because one of the comments is... Um how he was, he was you know, putrid, I think is the word that was used. And I was like, I don't like to see that, but he was described as putrid. And then George responds saying, well, he was the man of the match on on um, Tuesday or, or against game. Fulham uh, last week. You know, it is a different game, but sometimes that is football. You've got to kind of take the rough with the smooth. You know, he's not going to have a brilliant game every week. Um, <laughs> putrid, I know. It's, it's, a, it's an awful word. And, and I would never describe any Newcastle player as putrid. I would describe the previous manager, but that's a different story. Um, the... The Dan Byrne situation, yes, we could all see it happening. That, that is the frustration. It needed to change. And there is a problem there if two games running, you have to bring your left back off because there's a problem there. You did, the same thing happened at Villa. And that is, like, that's not a good way to, to approach football if, if in games you have to take your left back off because you can see it's a problem and it'd be, it's been a problem from the start. But there's more to the Dan Byrne situation. I think Dan Byrne was left high and dry by some of his teammates. And that, again, that isn't a criticism necessarily, but you had Lewis Miley in front of him who have just said can't make a tackle, doesn't really provide any support to his left back. Um, and then it was Miggy first half who does a lot of running, but he's not great defensively. You know, he, he works hard. And then the second half after Gordon goes off, it's Jacob Murphy on the left who's just back from injury, not familiar with the left-hand side of the pitch really. And again, not going to offer any support. So it was kind of Dan Byrne up against their winger and anyone else. He was he had a lot to deal with. And that did need addressing sooner. I'm not saying that, that, that we should have just let Dan Byrne stay on the pitch and protect him. I think that the, the, the subs had to be made probably sooner. But there's more to the problem than just Dan Byrne. And yes, it is. It was just a simple case of the lad is like three times faster than him. And it was, you know, the... the um, I can't remember if it's the third or fourth goal, the one where he just runs and... Oh, it's for the penalty. He starts like 10 yards behind Dan Byrne and ends up five yards ahead of him and he has to pull him back. And it is really stupid from Byrne, but he was just like... We could all see the problem. His teammates know that he's not going to keep up with him. So why is no one getting across there to help him? So there's there's more to it, in my opinion, albeit, yes, it, it we had to hook him and Livermento is a much better footballer. And at some point, we're going to have to just sort of say, like, you know what, Tina's the choice for these games. Dan Byrne, great at Fulham. Great for certain situations against, you know, more less quick but kind of more teams that play high and cross the ball a lot he's great for stuff like that he's not good for teams that have a fast winger who runs on the floor um runs on the floor you know what i mean runs with, runs with the ball <laughs> on the deck to the sky. um 
Um, and yeah, it just it was the wrong fit. And it was the wrong fit again. There's a problem that we need to solve there. But yeah, I, I, I want to kind of spread, not the blame, but caveat what's what's gone on there. Well, 100%. And, and Adam, I'll bring you in. But the thing is, it, 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 yes, there could be more support for Dan Byrne from his teammates. 100%. I absolutely agree with that. There is somebody in charge, though. There is somebody in charge who's supposed to be watching the game and, and managing the game. And 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 to sit to stand on the sidelines with with Tyndall and and not make a change until until Luton have four goals, that is that is astonishing to yeah. me. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about it. But Adam, please. What you can't do is give yourself a pat on, pat on the back for Tuesday night and making that really important tactical tweak that 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 helped us contain the game and quelled the threat of Leon Bailey by tucking Burn inside and bringing Tino on. Brilliant move. Really reactive. And it worked for us and it helped us get all three points. When you don't learn from that same mistake and you put Dan Burn up against, as we've said, one of the fastest wingers in the Premier League, what do you expect to happen? You're setting him up for a fall. Now, if he's not, if he hasn't got the pace, what he needs to do is adjust his positioning. Mm. This kind of happened with um, Paul Dummett, I believe, in the, in the championship. He was really, really slow, didn't have the pace. But Rafa kind of tweaked him so that he sort of just sat a bit deeper so that he... He, he didn't need to rely on his pace more. He was kind of just in a, a, a much more conservative position. And that needs to have happened this time, whereas, you know, you look at the fourth goal. Dan Byrne is just, I don't even know where he is. He's in the final third somewhere. And and they basically break, and then they counter, and they pass it on the line, pass it on the line, pass it on the line, and then the guy's free and tucks it in for four. Now, you ca you can't... You can't give yourself a pat on the back for Villa Park if you're then just not going to learn from that same mistake again. We can't, I understand the merits of having someone like Dan Burning, and when you haven't got the likes of Joe Linton in there, a big lad, a tall lad, then you're going to need somebody who is tall and maybe he's an on, he is there on his merit. But I think a lot of this comes back to the point that a lot of our players, because we, just because simply we were playing at home, because we were playing at St. James's Park, we were really, really complacent and maybe we took more risks and maybe it was a... Maybe was it a bit of arrogance that we didn't think that Luton mm. were going to pose that much of a threat or we could we could absorb it and, 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 and move on and do our thing. But Luton's dictated that game a lot more than I think we expected them to. And if you can see that happening, that look, the way he pushed him over, Dan Byrne, like we all knew what was going to happen before it happened. Everyone mm. in the stadium knew what was going to happen, seemingly except Eddie Howe, who didn't bring him off again. And... The absolute latest that Dan Byrne should have stayed on was after he received his yellow card, he conceded the penalty. That's when you bring Liveramento on at the very, very latest. But to be you, honestly, the same mistakes again, it's like, it's, it's just, it's foolhardy, man. It's really, really silly. And it got me very, very irritated. It's not completely Dan Byrne's fault mm. because it's not his fault that his, that his wings are pacey, but you've got to then change where you stand or you've got to somehow nullify that, that exposure because otherwise you can see four. And yes, we conceded the fourth goal and two minutes later, Dan Byrne comes off. The horse is bolted. It's after the fact. That is too late once again. The funny thing, sorry, Norman, just before you come in, uh, that when he said, where was Dan Byrne to the fourth goal? He just intercepted a pass from Trippier to Barnes or someone. Like, he intercepted <laughs> our own pass and then they break because he just got in the way. Like He couldn't have had a bigger mare if he tried for that in that moment. Uh, comedy moments, you know, he's obviously not trying to get in the way, but it's, what, what was more frustrating about that, yes, the Byrne's out of position and we just didn't react Luton, four or five players just came at us and we were kind of jogging back. I just thought that the effort, we, we were shell-shocked at being at going 3-2 down, but there was just no leadership, no organisation. I just felt like we could have dealt with that situation even with Dan Byrne lying on the floor in their half. I think, you know, the rest of the team have got to kind of hold themselves and go, right, we're no Burns out of position. We should have reorganised and dealt with that and they didn't. I thought 
defensively, we were just awful uh, across yeah. the board. And yes, the burn problem was a problem that had to be solved. But I just was really frustrated at how we dealt with all of those situations. Well, I mean, that ties into the lack of players like Willock and Joe Linton, right, with their box-to-box yeah. abilities and their stamina. Um, there's no point in commenting further on the Dan Byrne uh, talk because it's, it's been covered, right? But what I will say is in terms of support, I think yesterday what another issue was the centre-halves couldn't really go and cover him, Shea and Botman, because they were absolutely notly mullered by Morrison and Abajo. Yeah. It's as simple as that. Um, that was almost like a template of how to play against Botman and Shea, despite their sizes. I mean, Botman's like, what, seven foot two? <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> given how short I am, anyone, basically anyone over six foot is at least seven foot. <laughs> but he, um, he, they were completely outmuscled. And that's the first time I've actually read a match report where Botman's been dug out by the uh, journalist right now. Louise Taylor said Botman had a poor game. And I started thinking about it, and I was thought, actually, mm. it, it's right. It's almost like, but we never think of Botman having a bad game ever. But yesterday's the first time I've looked back and thought, you know what? They were done by Morris and Arabajo completely. And again, that is going to impact on on the right and left sides of the pitch, right? Trippier is bombing up the pitch loads yesterday. Um, Byrne is getting caught out all the time. Those two centre-halves aren't able for one second to take the eyes off the off the big lads up mm. top for Luton. And, and that kind of contributed to the fact that Luton just destroyed him outright. And also, obviously... Ross Barkley was ridiculously good yesterday. He was allowed to be, fair enough. I think there's so much more that we could talk about here. And and, and there's also an Eddie Howe question <coughs> that, that we haven't really touched on. We've sort of tried to, but there's so much to talk about. Um, so, of course, that will be uh, on our Patreon review show, kind of getting into that. We're going to break there, I think, for part one. Um, and uh, it, a reminder from us, if you would like to hear more of this sort of thing, you want to get more analysis, uh, please do come and join us on Patreon. It's between three and five pounds a month. We would love to have you there. We'll be back with part two and try and find some positives, I think, in part two after these uh, messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Part two of the show, and I think we should try and find some positives. Um, obviously, we got a point. It was a draw. It felt like a loss. We've talked about that, but it was a draw. And it's really interesting, I think, that it feels like a loss because actually what we did yesterday was come 
uh, we, we went ahead, we went behind, we and, and then we went four two behind, and and coming back from that to get a point is something to be celebrated, isn't it? Like, isn't that something to be celebrated? It's funny, isn't it? In the in the context of this season, it was disappointing because we thought we were meant to kick on from Villa, and because of the amount of points we've dropped during that horrible spell of the end of November right the way through to all, January is a write off because it was Liverpool and Man City fine. Um, we thought we're going to have to turn a corner and we all know that we're going to have to go on a run where we win five or six games in a row to really get ourselves back. So that's why a draw doesn't feel acceptable. If we'd drawn 4-4 at home to Luton or anyone else in the middle of last season's kind of big runs, would have been okay with it. We would say, oh, you know, it's great that we came back from 4-2 down. It's the nature of the season we're in. It's the nature of the way we conceded the goals, I suppose, as well. But mm. it just felt like a defeat and it, it even had Adam convinced before that we hadn't even beaten Villa. That's how, <laughs> how much it's affected us. <laughs> But there are some positives to be taken. You're right. You know, normally if Newcastle go four two down at home, and especially having witnessed what happened against Nottingham Forest on Boxing Day, at least we showed some fight. At least we did something. And I suppose the ability to bring players off the bench has helped that, and that's a positive. The fact that we've got Barnes back, Wilson came on. I didn't see too much from him to be perfectly honest. But you know, he's always a bit rusty when he first comes back. Forty five minutes under his belt is probably a good thing for him. Um, Barnes was great for 20 minutes and then looked a bit tired by the time we got into stoppage time. I think what was frustrating about stoppage time because we gave ourselves enough time to win that game, didn't we? We, you know, The last 15 minutes should have been enough time to get a fifth goal, but we were spent and it's no good in the Premier League at home to a, a bottom four side needing to score in stoppage time. You, you can't really rely on that. So you know we didn't get what we, what we needed. And um, as Norman mentioned earlier, I think Luton managed that stoppage time brilliantly. The 10 minutes passed without us really touching the ball because they just sorted it out but positive wise yes yeah come on come on we scored four goals we scored four decent goals we've talked about how badly we defended but i thought we looked like a team who can score for fun if we need to mm. you know we score four goals in st james's park you should normally win the game you should win the game 99 times out of 100 this was just a weird occasion where we didn't defend properly so there's positive to be taken i don't think we need to lose our heads four points from this week villa away and luton is kind of absolutely acceptable you would have taken it at the start of the week so oh, it's the, for me it's the like it's the fight yeah. like uh, the, i have i have to take um a positive i'm a sunny side of the street person anyway but i i have to take a positive from the fact that we showed fight exactly what you were saying about that forest game you, that could have been a much much worse defeat it could have been awful it, it, even six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, th that scoreline going four two um, behind, you just sort of think, oh fuck, they're gonna they're gonna score so many more than this. We're not gonna get back into this game, and we did, and we made some changes. And yes, the changes were late, and and there's there's questions about that in game management, and and could we have could we have won five four if the changes had been made earlier? Like, sh you know, you can live in that kind of maybe this, maybe that, but coming back. To, to score another two goals and get a point out of that game, that, that, that is to be celebrated to me. Yeah, it shows a lot of character, shows a lot of resolve. Um, it shows that there is a, a togetherness and unity there in, this, in, in the squad. You're right, I think the ability to make substitutions massively impacted our ability to change that game. I think to concede a, the two goals that we did in that second half, the penalty, and then three minutes later and a counter-attacking goal, that would be enough to maybe shell shock a team and they'll crumble but we did actually the opposite um and it could have been 5-4 shot if um the goalkeeper for Luton his name escapes me had hadn't saved uh, you know it was an absolutely brilliant save down low from from Harvey Barnes which would have made it 5-4 and I don't think um Luton come back from that but 
you're right. I think that was the last chance that, and then we seemed spent, and the game just the game just completely got away from us. I think um, I think a lot of our goals are actually a bit more than decent side. I think um, I think that first goal where Miley sprays it out at Trippier and that ball into the middle, load of conviction, really just efficient football. Mm. It was beautiful to watch. Um, I thought the the, the third goal, um, the Travella pass from from Bruno, Bruno. after a, after a sustained period of, of attacking and pushing them in, it was about a third phase attack um, in the same um, passage of play, and that outside of the right foot and and left foot volley from Trippier, who who just sort of anticipates where it's going and just sneaks in round the back. I thought that was a really classy goal, and and Barnes's finish for the fourth, I thought was, yeah, we mentioned Miley's. Um, uh, winning the ball back um, and stopping what could have been another dangerous uh, counter-attack from Luton. And he, he just got the ball. He knew exactly what he was going to do. You know, we're used to him using his right foot a lot, but to to bend the, the, the technique that he demonstrated, to bend that that low drive um, right into the bottom corner, he kind of caressed it in, he sort of passed it a bit, had a bit of zip, but it was really, really accurate, lovely technique. Uh, kind of made it look easy. That's not an easy finish at all, especially under the pressure that we were we were at that point. And yeah, it just felt that the momentum was 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 on our side and had Barnes put in that other one, uh, but for a great save, I think we, 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 we would have gone on to win that. There was one other great chance at the end as well where yeah. Bruno came out of the touchline, turned his man inside out and got, got into the box. And Barnes actually made a shift back and he just had to cut it back to Barnes there. We were like saying, cut it back, cut it back. And instead he goes across goal and it was dangerous. And if anyone connects to that, it's a goal. It lands to Murphy at the back post again when he managed to get he managed to get Villa to score for him when that happened on Tuesday, but it just couldn't get the right the right touch on it. But yeah, I, I was screaming Barnes is there just to cut it back. But that was it. Like you say, the last fifteen minutes, including stoppage time, we just didn't have anything left to, to give and Luton took over. I mean the Barnes finish was liquid sexuality, wasn't it? <laughs> but the big positive for me is seeing Barnes come back and also mm. it's sad at the same time because I look at Barnes and I think He's fit for the season. He doesn't get that injury. That's probably eight or nine goals there. He would have, he would have minimum, scored 20. Minimum. He would have scored 20. Because, because you know what I love about him? Like it's the confidence that he's got, right? He receives the ball, one touch, bang, one touch, bang. He doesn't hesitate, does not hesitate. And obviously we do have a couple of players on the side, uh, you know, Miggy being the case in point where it needs, you know, two or three touches before the shots popped off. And by that point, usually you know, there's there's a couple of defenders back, you've got a cut back, you've missed the, the opportunity's gone. Barnes is, in the classic sense, an incredibly sort of direct winger. And I think he's got a big role to play between now and the end of the season. So great to see that. I it was good to see we'll come back from two goals behind. Any game in the Premier League where you're two goals behind to come back is is a real it's a real achievement, right? And I did I I turned around to the lad that I was with them, um, Chris Murphy, and I said, look, if we get this uh, equalizer before the 75th minute, we should go on to win the game. Um, reminiscent of uh, Newcastle United versus Leicester City, 1994-2 down. Mark McGee <laughs> pops one in the 90th minute. Beautiful, beautiful time to be alive. Um, I was 31 at the time. But um, it didn't happen. And I think this, it, it kind of ties in the wider point. We go goal up, the intensity drops, the equalise. We're going to goal up again, the intensity drops, the equalise, right? If any, if there was ever a time for us to really try and hit for that, you know, two, to go two goals ahead, it was when we just taken the lead because they, they were there for the taking. We have the momentum, we'll come back, it's fours each. The intensity drops again and I yeah. do create these couple of chances, but the intensity that we were playing with at 4-2 doing, 4-3 doing, it, it, it was gone, it was gone again. It was almost like, all right, we've equalised now, we've just got to be patient and the goal will come. And it, and it, and it didn't, unfortunately, and, and that's that was the frustrating thing was, 
every time we kind of got a foothold in the game, they were there for the taking and we didn't build on it. And that was frustrating. Um, and another positive, I suppose, you know, might be if I want to end on a positive, that um, Ogbenia missed that chance at the death, which would have made it five ball Luton. So uh, that, that was a positive that Dubravka got down and saved it. It's an interesting one, that, because uh, everyone's <laughs> saying, well, Byrne had to come off to deal with him. But he got in behind Tino there. You know, it's, it wasn't like, Byrne wasn't necessarily the, the main problem. Ogbenia was just really hard to deal with. Like, Very difficult. Livermento came on and gave us a bit more going forward. But he's not, he's not a complete defender. He still struggled against that guy. What I will say about uh, a positive, I do echo everything um, Norman said about Harvey Barnes. And what Harvey Barnes is, is a natural finisher, mm. a wide natural finisher. Now, I tweeted before the game that I thought a front three of Almiron, Gordon and, and Murphy would actually cause a bit of havoc in looking. And we sort of did. We did create a lot of chances. But what we weren't was clinical. What we couldn't do was finish. And what Harvey Barnes, what, what we were able to bring on in, in Wilson and Barnes, and I, I take your point with Wilson, he, I thought he was thought he was quite physical. He added a kind of focal point mm. of that attack. And he, Used his, his his body quite well. Thought he was unlucky in a couple of tussles, but to have somebody like I, I wouldn't say Gordon's not a natural finisher, but obviously he has so many um, positive attributes and good strengths. Uh, Murphy definitely isn't, and um, Miggy definitely isn't a natural finisher, but Barnes is, and you kind of just saw that he's just got an eye for goal. He his his, his shot choices are really really good. And he, he's always trying to find that bottom corner to make a diff. He's always trying to work the goalkeeper. And we just didn't do that enough yesterday. For, for Luton to have two more shots on target yesterday than we did in that whole game, despite us feeling like we 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 were on top a lot. We created the, They were just more clinical and efficient when they went forward and took, took their chances really, really well. But yeah, a positive moving forward is to have somebody like Barnes who is a wide finisher, especially if Gordon's twisted his ankle as well. If that's, I mean, that just kind yeah. of... <laughs> so in in the first half, I thought that was um I thought that was a Trippier injury because he was pointing to his ankle and 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 signalling to come off, and I was like, no, like not Trippier. And then Gordon seen on crutches. We haven't even touched on that that Gordon was seen leaving the ground on crutches yesterday. But uh, yeah, yeah, another another. But yes, I think you're absolutely right that the the hunger and the precision that Harvey Barnes is going to bring to this side is going to make the difference. I think for the second half of the season, and and it's right not. To to give him like 90 minutes of game time, especially as we've been told or read that he re-injured himself in the recovery process. You just, you do want to be careful with an injury like that. But I was, I, I thought he was excellent. I was really excited about his signing in the summer when he came over to Philadelphia and then he was, uh, and then he was announced. He came on for about 20 minutes in the game um, in Philadelphia um, without any training with the, with the team. He hadn't, he hadn't, trained with the team he hadn't run with the team he hadn't done you know he'd obviously met them but he, he'd been doing his promotional videos so mm -hmm. um and he just slotted in like that he just knew where he was supposed to be he was he was just and i was like oh this is somebody this is a match ready this isn't an eddie howe like uh ease him in so for him to have got the injury so early in the season was massive disappointment but he's back now and as i say he's going to score 20 goals well, i did say that at the start of the season and i, I generally think if he was fit for the in, in all competitions let's be clear uh, 20 Premier League goals would be some feat but <laughs> i honestly think he's he, like you say he's got an eye for goal and and what we saw in the villa game at the very start of the season was what he was going to do he's going to come on give the likes of gordon or wilson whoever it needs to be to come off for 30 minutes and just punish teams when they're tired and it, it worked perfectly against Villa and it nearly worked perfectly against Liverpool but for one where he should have cut it across to um, Wilson at the time but mm. he generally looks like the sort of player who's going to come off and punish teams and, and, and score goals late in games 
I think he could have done that twenty odd times this season if he'd been if he'd been fully fit. He definitely looks like a player, like you say, he's been out for six months and he's come on the pitch there, having not kicked the ball since September, and was class and he, he made us so much better so quickly. I'm frightened of how good he could be and, and how effective he can be. You know, he was, he was um, Leicester's top scorer last season, wasn't he? With when they got 50, relegated, I think something like that, 15, fifteen or something. Goals, you know, in a team that that barely created any chances and just got battered most weeks. So I was I was really really positive about what he could do this season, and I still am about what he can contribute mm. for the rest of the season. That is a huge huge positive. But I agree with caution because we absolutely cannot. I'd have forgotten about the crutches and yeah. Gordon, like for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah. Because I think one of the one of the big caveats of this game you have to continue to do, and, and yeah, Norman it does feel like we're making excuses a lot and we can't keep excusing them, but we started this game without a centre forward. I thought Gordon did really well, by the way, he ran the channels and the, you know, the run he makes for the second goal for Longstaff is brilliant. He's unlucky not to get the goal himself again. Gordon should get more goals for his name this week and last week, but um, we still started the game without a centre forward. We're still playing Jacob Murphy, who's just back from injury. He's playing 90 minutes again. Like that's not good. (laughs) He's been brilliant, but we saw signs of what we get with him. He's, he's, he's slightly limited and he is still Jacob Murphy and he had to move on to the left and he's, it's not, you know, there are, there are still problems in this team that we can't, we don't have an answer to yet. Barnes coming back, great. If As soon as he's fit enough to start, he will start and that helps. But until we've got a fit centre forward, Wilson, hopefully that in 45 minutes has been critical for him. There are still problems and Lewis Miley, bless him, I think he's getting worse every week and this isn't a criticism of him. He's playing far too much football at his age and I think his confidence is being kicked it's every week be because the positive bit of the yeah, i know i know <laughs> but like, i just think th- these are it's a positive in the sense that these are <laughs> excuses mitigations and things that will improve once we get solutions to them and we're still limping along with some of these problems that we can't solve until we get more players back so i guess that's my point in a positive way I get it, and and I think you're right. We'll we'll leave it there for uh, part two of the podcast. We will break now for some adverts. If you want to hear this podcast without adverts, please do join us on Patreon. I have already told you how much as you know now. Um, we will come back for part three and talk about kind of the rest of the season and how we have to keep talking about the rest of the season. I think sort of get meta with it. Um, we'll be back after this. Part three of the show, and I think we should talk about where this leaves Newcastle. You know, we have talked about that several times. Ninth, Norman keeps saying ninth, it leaves us ninth. Yes, literally yes. But uh, I'd like to talk about the result and the performance in the um, context of um, the rest of the season. After Tuesday, you know, we sat here around this table and Ben said top four, top five, after we beat Villa, we did beat them, Adam. And, um, and you know, all, all, the, all, the, all the things that we had been pointing to, which is why the, the, the reasons for the bad performances in December, fatigue, injuries, etc. we are moving away from all of that, Gordon, notwithstanding. We don't know sort of what, what, how serious that is, but um, those things should no longer apply because... We are moving away from it. We're going to one game a week. Obviously, we've got the cup game, which is a midweek, but past that, we really don't have any kind of fixture congestion until the end of the season. And we've also got pretty, like, quote-unquote, nice fixtures to the end of the season. We have played a lot of the the bigger sides, the top six sides, a couple of times now. Obviously, we've got Arsenal still to come. But um, so, so we, you know, the, the, all of those things um, should be kind of in the rear view. And yet, um, yesterday at home, this this was kind of a shadow of the side that we saw um, last season, the home form especially that we saw last season. 
Um, Luton probably should have won. They, they, you know, they came smelling blood. They, they wanted that that win. They came with a game plan. They were they were extremely physical. They were extremely um, uh, motivated yesterday. Um, so, I, I suppose the question is sort of where do we go from here, and why are we reassessing it every single? every single game like we, we did this under Bruce like okay we've we've won this or we've drawn this or we've done that and 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 that's 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 left us in a better position sort of uh, Norman why why make some sense of it for me in terms of reassessing I mean look we're football fans that's just what you do isn't it after mm. every game you kind of think well oh where, where does this take well, what can we do or you lose a match you're like well, what's the best we can finish now realistically that that is just something to do I'm, I'm not I'm not too concerned about the fact that we're doing that right I think and and, and really I think what the almost miracle is, is that despite the fact that we've had this terrible run of form, um, we are only three points off sixth. Do I think, think we can finish top five? No, I think the gap's too big. I genuinely mm. do. But three points from six, to me, that is that is realistic, right? It's doable. We've got Brighton at home, uh, West Ham at home, two sides that are going to be challenging for that, that sixth position, right? Two teams that we, you know, on our idea are capable of beating. And this is tying into positives as well. We've got foreign injuries, Gordon, as, uh, as mentioned. But we do have players coming back, right? Joe Willock could be coming back. I think Joe Linton's done, isn't he? I think that's pretty much yeah, the, the, the situation me. there. Pope, I don't know what the situation is. Is Nick March. Pope? March, right? So Pope's going to come back. Right? We do have these really important players come back. Alexander Isak, right? Massively, massively important player. In fact, arguably our, our only world-class player. That might be, you know, that might be for contention, but I think he, I think he probably is. So they, they're positives, right? Six players is attainable. Now, looking at the overall picture of the season, if we finish six, which is feasible. We'll beat Blackburn in the Cup, which I think we'll do. That's two quarterfinals, right, that mm. we've got to. That's six in the league, which means Europa League. Also, minutes away from getting through in the Champions League to a certain extent, or at least being in the conversation. On reflection, but given everything that's gone on with the injuries, that would actually represent a, a fairly phenomenal season under the circumstances, right? So, you know, I think I'm focusing on question number two rather than number three, aren't I? Mm -hmm. But positives are that... We like there positives. Is, well, there, there is still a lot of people, despite how demoralising yesterday was, despite how demoralising the last few months have been. Actually, we're in February, we're three points off six, we're in the FA Cup fifth round, hopefully the quarterfinals, and there is loads still to play for and there are players coming back. So where it leaves with it is with something to look forward to. That's what I would say. Yeah, like if if we'd have drawn, if we'd actually drawn at Villa Park, which I <laughs> believed at the start of this podcast, and you never let me live it down. <laughs> if, if we'd have drawn at Villa Park and then beaten Luton, then the complexion of, of, of all the discourse following this weekend is going to be, would have been completely different. Obviously that's not how everything works, but we, we've got to remember that that excellent, excellent win at Villa Park was just simply days ago. Mm. And I think uh, there's been a, maybe an overreaction from some pockets. I can understand people being angry and they can vent and they can feel however they want to feel that's their right. But I think that it was really, really important. We didn't lose yesterday it doesn't derail us. And I think if anything, that comeback, despite all of the negatives that we could poke about, um, not tracking runners and poor defending and complacency and not finishing well, we can still continue this momentum with a draw. It's still an unbeaten, it's still part of an unbeaten run and we can take that forward. And it can. It, it's a demonstration of how we galvanized at a time that we really, really needed to and we came through and we, and we rescued the game from a position that was looking critical. So I think, I think if you'd have flipped the, the, the fixtures around, the, the, the results around, we wouldn't necessarily feel like it's sort of crisis mode, but I think it's okay. 
It's not great. It's not ideal. And we should have won that game. We didn't. But from that position of being 4-2 down, to bring it round, to bring it back, I think that'll that'll help us as a squad. I think that'll help us understand that everyone's still fighting. There's still mm. desire and determination to finish as high up the league as possible. And Norman's right. It's been a season of nearlies, but we're still in the FA Cup and we've still got a really good shout of finishing in European qualification. If we can cons- consolidate a cup run and, 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 a, and a decent place in the league as well, I don't think that's a bad season at all. I like the fact that you said it's not right, but it's okay, which I think is the first time TLC have been quoted on the Trophy <laughs> Podcast. That is a Whitney song. Is it Whitney Houston? Yeah, that is not TLC. It's For, not forgive me, forgive me, R&B, paucity uh, <laughs> <laughs> of knowledge. <laughs> but you know what I mean. I think I want to combine both your points there, because Norman's right that there's plenty of ways this could still be a successful season. I'd like to say go, going beyond the quarterfinals as well, we need to be in the FA Cup. It, it would be a great opportunity if we can get there, but you know what will happen. We'll get Liverpool away or something. But if we can get one of the, <laughs> one of the big teams at home, you, you knock one of them out, yeah. I think we can do it at St. James's Park. I think we talked about the atmosphere before this podcast, didn't we, Norman? And it was, it was quite flat again yesterday. I understand why... We're not the underdogs in, in games anymore. You're not going to get a proper 12-man experience at home to Luton. People turn up and expect us to win, and that's fair enough. It's a Saturday, 3 o'clock. Uh, you know, it's the middle of the winter. You just, you're not going to get a raucous St. James's Park like you have done for the Champions League games before Christmas and everything else. Um, it does mean we don't have any advantage. You know, we don't have that 12-man. It means that the players, just it's on them to win the game, and it doesn't always happen. I think we we talked a lot before Christmas as well, to Adam's point about um, three-game weeks. It was just too much for this squad and all the injuries after Christmas a week between each game apart from this week we've had a three game week and we've won at Fulham two away games we've won at Fulham won at Villa and then we've drawn at home you know it's it's not perfect but it's it's acceptable in the context of that week especially because we have still only got 11, 12, 13-ish players depends what happens with Gordon but back down to 12 players um, to choose from um, I'm okay with that and I think there's this you know going forward it is one game a week pretty much um, for the rest of the season there's a, a couple of fixture crunches and depends what the FA Cup but basically this team will be back on the training ground every week and my god there's a lot of material to work on based on yesterday there's a lot of stuff they need to address in terms of how we conceded those goals in terms of how we let Luton come through us so much but I trust them to do it and I think there's all the stuff we said in the last few weeks about the, the lads just need to get back on the training ground that is still the case you know after a three game week we get a, a week to prepare for Forest away we get a week to prepare for Bournemouth I think that's okay. I think we'll win those games. I think we'll we'll sort it out. So I'm not going to let this game in particular make me think the season's going to fall off a cliff again. It's a slight blip in what should otherwise still be a recovery, in my opinion. 100%. I think, um, uh, you know, I think Norman's right. I think we need to zoom out and say, we do this every week. We do this every week with, as football fans, we think we recalibrate what success is. We recalibrate what we would accept as a good season. You know, we have been faced with mad injury lists. We've been faced with with some, with some just horrible adverse um, circumstances this season. And we're, you know, we're ninth. It's okay. We're ninth. We're we're still in a cup. We we are three points off six. We those things are those things are good things. And it's not the super highs that we had last season. But that's okay. That's that's sort of that's sort of what following a football team is about. And we knew that this season would be harder. We haven't made any signings um in this January in the January transfer window. We're not in January anymore. Um and 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 so we just have to like push on and and talk about it in the context of what it is and and that's just what we do as football fans that's what we do as people who make 
podcast about football so I'm okay with it I think it's I don't think it's reminiscent necessarily of sort of what we did under the previous manager I think it's just what we do and and, and that's that's okay we'll leave it there I think for the podcast today there is so much more to talk about so do come and join us on Patreon if you would like to that is between three and eight pounds a month for lots of extra content we're also doing a live show in uh, Gosforth on the 16th of February Friday the 16th of February it's going to be uh, lots of different people. I uh, believe Norman, you're going to come up and, and join us for that one. I am, and I can't wait. You can't wait. Uh, we're going to do kind of interactive stuff, audience participation, chats about like just everything, really, and just try and, and, and make sense of this mad club. Um, this podcast is brought to you by Aspers Casino Newcastle, home of the Mags £4 pint, available on all draft beers for all NUFC home and televised games, 12pm to 12am. Over 18s only, visit BeGamblerWare.org. Be drink aware for details and T's and C's, visit AspersNewcastle.co.uk.